the Jeep Wrangler 4xe. It's electrified. So you can boogie-woogie-woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie-woogie-woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie-woogie-woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out. When they say no, you boogie-woogie-woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie-woogie-woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xe. Learn more at jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Hey guys, and welcome to Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the only official show of Happy, Sad, Confused enthusiasts. Uh, as always this week, joining me on the podcast is Sammy. Hi, Sammy. Hi. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm confused. Don't be sad. This is a good show. This is a great show. This is, okay. This is, there's a lot coming up. So it's a tease uh, what's to come on this jam-packed edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, a little bit later on, we have the great filmmaker, the French maniac mastermind that is Mr. Luc Besson. Uh, a huge privilege to have him here in the podcast booth to talk about his new film, Valerian, and a storied career uh, that includes you know, everything from La Femme Nikita to The Professional and Fifth Element, and we get into a lot of that. First up on the podcast will be a returning guest, one of our favorites, uh, the lovely and talented, the indie queen that is Ms. Kristen Stewart. Uh, she has a ton of stuff going on, Sammy. And you guys have a ton of history. I always say I think I uh, for I, I I think I've interviewed her more than any other human being on the planet. I'm her unofficial biographer. Like, how was the reunion when you guys first saw each other? Well, first I will say that it was very sweet of her to do this uh, conversation because she it was promoting. Honestly, it wasn't really promoting anything specifically. She was in town for the New York Film Festival, which just concluded, and she had three films at the New York Film Festival. Um, and she, I, I actually, I was at the uh, I was at the party for one of the films. Mm. Uh, oh, <laughs> I have to say it like that. Um, a film called Certain Women that we talk about that's directed by Kelly Reichert. Um, and it's, it's a small film. It's definitely for like an indie crowd. Um, you know, she doesn't need to or have to or, you know, whatever. It's not the kind of film that demands a ton of press because it just has its built-in audience. So it was very sweet of her to agree to sit down uh, for this conversation, which was done – Actually, I, I met up with her uh, at just at the lobby of her hotel. Super casual, you know, no publicists, no hangers-ons, and it was just very, um, like as I said, super chill. Different than the Twilight interviews, huh? We've we've con- conversed in every manner mm-hmm. of strange format, and this was uh, this was maybe one of the more um, relaxed settings. And uh, we talk about. Uh, certain women, as I said, we talk a little bit about a, per, a film called Personal Shopper that doesn't open till next spring, but I, I uh, you should keep your eye out for that one because it's her reteaming with the filmmaker Olivier Assayas. Assayas? Oh. He's French. That was Big nice. French show. Big French show today. <laughs> Big uh, Francophile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, they, they did that um, a film, Clouds of Sils Maria, that she was excellent in, and they reteamed for this one. Uh, we talk a little bit about that. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, a, a very frank conversation. We even talk about sort of how she's been much more open about her personal life lately in other interviews, and I ask her sort of what's the reasoning behind that. Talk a little bit about the election. Uh, just to note for you know context, we taped this a couple of weeks ago, so it was I think it was after the first debate, but before 
the shitstorm <laughs> that happened in the second debate, et cetera. So um, just FYI, that's, um, that's when this took place. So uh, a really fun conversation with Kristen. And um, as I said, you guys should check out um, Certain Women. It's playing in limited release. I'm sure it's going to be on demand, if not now, very soon. Um, and yeah, what else? Anything else I mean, that we should talk about? I mean, this is very exciting, Kristen Stewart. It's always exciting to have her on. She's, yeah. she's, she's a pleasure. It's been great to see her. Um, she always has good energy around you Good. you bring out the best in her thank I think. you for thank you for saying i that. think so um i think this one will satisfy the kristen stewart fans and if you stay tuned after kristen oh baby oh man if you're a if you're a film geek like myself it was a huge honor to have mr luke Basson uh in the building so that's coming up a little later but first up this conversation with kristen stewart the one the only i said that With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. All right, you ready to shove, uh, shove off, Kristen? Yeah, let's we're, do this. We're in like a, I feel like we're doing a, um, this is like the Vogue magazine cover story. This is like Kristen Stewart settled into a comfy totally. seat. Yeah, like you should describe what I order as if it's the most <laughs> defining thing. That's always what they start with. Like she started with, you know, it's like in order to say that someone's like really down to earth and cool, it's like she ordered a big, huge meal and just ate the right. whole thing she unabashedly. Had, she had every French fry and didn't <laughs> apologize for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for the record, Kristen has French fries all over her face. It's, dis- <laughs> it's disgusting, frankly. <laughs> um, it's always good to see you. Thank you for making the time to of chat. You're, um, we were just talking. You're, we're kind of, as we tape this, we're in the middle of New York Film Festival where you're like, uh, I feel like whenever I talk to you at a film festival, it's like all or nothing for you. You mm. have either like six films or, or you're not there. Yeah, it seems like... Um, I haven't I haven't uh, worked on a movie as an actor in a year, and uh, I do notice usually like it, it's uh, things always come out at the same time. I yeah. did them, you know. I don't know. It was a kind of a condensed period, but usually it's kind of sporadic. And then, you know, good, all good things sometimes happen at once, which is rad. Yeah. And then like sometimes all bad things happen at once, and you're like, why does this happen? <laughs> <laughs> so as the as you know, I'm the um, unofficial official Kristen Stewart biographer at this point in my life. Seriously. So um, as you said, you've had some downtime. You, you haven't mm-hmm. worked for a bit. Yeah. So what have you been feeling? your headspace with your life with are you in a good place as you sit here right now yeah i expect you to say no oh no, i'm just no. honestly i'm really down in the dumps <laughs> lately man i haven't worked in a year she sat back into her chair and <sighs> cried softly yeah um let's see <laughs> um let me see let me see i've uh I, I i was talking about um directing the short that i yeah. was, so that i wrote ages it? and ages ago yeah i finished it yeah nice it's not fully finished i'm working on sound right now um and uh but like you know all the pictures are put together and um it's a it's a i i i love it and that is honestly it's a huge pleasure <laughs> um i don't think that necessarily always happens and i got you know it's a it i just honestly was so obsessively doing that i think that's kind of exactly what i've been doing for 
I can't wait to fucking finish it. Because I'm just like, you need to leave me alone. I want to do something else now. But I'm, it's, you know, it's a, it, it takes greater sort of patience or something or focus uh, so to be a director rather than an actor. Well, is anything surprising about that process now having gone through it? I mean, you, you, I mean, you've basically been prepping for that kind of thing in your entire life. You mm. were born to do this kind of thing, I would think. Mm. I mean, you were literally raised in the business. Mm. Um, so once you got into it, were you... I don't know. Did anything catch you off guard, or were you kind of? I kept honestly. I kept expecting. I, I kept expecting to run into some walls, and I knew that I was like had surrounded myself with people that would totally bail me out, and like, uh, I just didn't. I just kept swimming, and literally like every single day was like such a. It, it like revealed itself in this way that was like so uh, like I we, we all felt so lucky if anything yeah. was about to go wrong or we weren't gonna have time for like a tiny thing like we just were given a gift every time nice and uh, yeah no I got really lucky and um, it's funny I don't draw a huge distinction between um, being an actor on a set and, and making a movie like sort of from the ground up as a director I it's to me it's like um, I don't know it's strange I, acting is like there's this thing you do in bursts and you can like harness something and then completely forget about it and like uh, it's it's a much more sort of like uh, uh, it kind of passes you by and you're like cool man I can be a little more flippant about it or, or something yeah. you know and, and on this like it still feels like I'm doing the same job it's just that I get to hold it so close like right. seeing other people's enthusiasm because I'm asking them to be excited and they like me, yeah. turn into genuine personal selfish desire. I was like that. I just like that. I see people who at first were like, "Yeah, dude, I'll do anything for you. I'll like do you a favor. I'll, I'll work on anything." Right. And then like halfway through the thing, they were all like, "No, this is what we have to do. This is you know like everyone was sort of owning it." And I was like, "That I've seen other. That's how I feel in movies. Right. When I love a director or somebody's really put something together that's really whole and." It was so rad. I fucking found like the next level. I'm so excited. So you're ready to dive back in. It sounds like. I mean, you're mm. in, you're finishing this, but you this is not going to be a one shot deal. No, I um no no. I already have my I already have my two things kind of set up. Yeah. My next two things. Yeah. I'm not going to make a feature for a little bit. I, yeah. I really and it's not it's not for any reason. Like I don't want to make a big movie. I want to make little movies just to try. <laughs> That's so not it. It's the form is really cool. I'm really having like yeah. fun thinking about like. Uh, basically doing whatever the fuck I want because you can't do that in movies. You know right, what I mean? Like right, you right. really can't. I mean, I'm going to try and kind of take that and apply it to the first feature that I do, but um, the form is just so fluid. You can do anything pretty much. Well, it's like... Well, yeah. talking about people that can do kind of whatever the fuck they want or kind of like counter to the system in, in its own way, that's Kelly Reichert's films. Totally. Right? So, totally. I mean, that, and that's the one that, that we should talk about a little bit because that's the one that's about to come out yeah. uh, as we talk. Um, and... It doesn't surprise me that you, you hooked up with her because she is like a unique filmmaker. Like I can't think of another person like her. Her, so her, cool. her stuff flies in the face of like everything that is is maybe sadly kind of like propped up in Hollywood, which mm -hmm. is like her stuff is quiet, it's mm -hmm. deliberate, it's behavior, uh, it sinks in with you. Um, give me a sense of like, is it apples and oranges being in, in her world versus mm -hmm. other stuff? Is it what's exciting about that? Um, I feel like like most like uh, like American indie movies they look and I love this style because I'm like I mean I like grew up with it like you know you like get it off sticks and throw it on his shoulder and you like dance around and find it everything's right. like you find it and everything looks the same right um, like her movies are like uh, I always am impressed when somebody can like do something so composed yet have it feel so like unplanned yep and her stuff is so deliberate and and working with her was like she's like a steel train she doesn't stop like she's very um, 
methodical. Yeah. And uh, it forces me to be kind of a di- like harness a different energy, um, like stillness. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know. She's great. She's like she's um she notices things about people that. Uh, you know, things like almost like people, I, I find most of her movies are about people that were like really wouldn't want to be, not want to be noticed like an attention thing, but just sort of that people wouldn't notice. Right. And uh, most movies are about things that are like, oh, that's a great idea for a story. You know yeah. what I mean? And it sounds kind of obvious. If you can like describe it in a slug line, it's probably like engaging and a good idea for a movie. Like sure. her stuff is so hard to describe because <clears throat> it's all the shit between the lines. Like she, she puts in movies what people don't focus on. And I love that. Does it, does it bum you out <coughs> in some way that like, her stuff isn't for everybody for whatever reason totally uh, and, and that's fine like who, who really cares like but at the same time it would be nice if more people were open to different kinds of films yeah um, because 95% of the country is going to see the same two movies this weekend yeah um, I don't know I mean, what, I mean what would, would you try to convince somebody that maybe certain women wouldn't necessarily be their cup of tea like what would you say to them to open up their their worldview or pop culture view a little bit to yeah. this kind of thing. Um, it's funny, like, yeah, I think we've we've just, like, grown accustomed to kind of, like, knowing what we want and not to group my, not to lump myself into that at all. Oh, yeah, totally. Not to lump myself into that, like, in any way because uh, I feel like I'm totally different. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, I, Honestly, like, it's strange to be a part of an entertainment industry, too. Right. Because the whole thing is, like, that we're, like, not necessarily doing stuff to, like, have a great rip-roar in time, but it's just to, like, consider something worth considering, you know? It's like, why yeah. do you read a newspaper? Like, why do you do stuff like that? Like, there are some movies that you're not going to go have, like, a splendid, lovely time, but it might make you think, and if that's something you're into, then great. And if it's not, then fucking go to the mall. Right. And that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Is, um... We were talking about her kind of process. Like, are, I would think that you're very aware, like just being a fan of film, like, and hearing about different directors about how they work. And do you kind of like take note of that? Like, I was talking to, to another actor the other day um, about like Derek C in France, for instance, mm-hmm. who would seem to be like that kind of interesting process that he does. Would I, I would guess that would be the kind of thing that would appeal to you? I mean, do you kind of take note of like when you hear like about interesting approaches to how movies mm-hmm. are made? Do you say? Hmm. Like, uh, let's set up a meeting, quote unquote, to go yeah. Hollywood on you for a second. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I- I've been told by like some of my, like, I mean, like Julia Pinoche was like, if you like someone, you have to make sure that you like let them know, yeah. and you have to connect with the people that you want to work with because that's just like not always going to come to you. And sure. And I haven't totally engaged on that level, but but save for like a few times. And yeah. um, uh, yeah, like okay, so um. Oh no! I hope he doesn't listen to this because he's truly like one of my favorite fucking directors ever. But he directed my two favorite movies, like like recently. Like honestly, I I would and I and I asked for a meeting with him, and I'm like kicking myself in the ass right now. Um, but uh, the Lobster was my favorite movie last year. Yeah, like really, my or this year. Um, and so I, I was like, seen, like with Dogtooth was that the and other and Dogtooth was I've his heard other it's amazing. One. I haven't seen it, but yeah, it's so weird. It's so whole. It's so entirely whole. It's so fucking good. Um. And uh, he, like, does this weird thing, honestly, in both movies, there's, like, a language that is entirely its own. It's, like, it's not a world that we live in at all. Right. And everything's metaphor, yet somehow it still makes you feel. And it's, I would really trip out trying to act in one of his movies because, like, I'm so, like, in the moment of this role and right yes. here, right now, da, da, and they're so, like, the, the, he, um, everything's a representation, right. yet it's still emotional. I was just like, uh, it's, he's a brilliant man, honestly. He's so smart, it's crazy. So I uh, made sure 
I met him because I worked with an AD that was working with him and he was like one of my favorite people and I was like, hey, you have to hook me up. <laughs> and when he was in LA, I, I sat down with him for um, a while. Uh, I mean, his name's Yorgos. I just don't remember his last name. Uh, it's probably also really hard to pronounce because he's Greek it's and like, like lot the most. Yeah. Or something, right? I mean, that sounds easy. So I feel like maybe it's more. <laughs> it's probably, I'm probably missing a few consonants yeah, to be like, honest. Like ten. No, probably not. I'm just joking. But like, uh, but yeah, no. Process is like one of yeah. my favorite things. Like the reason I wanted to work with Drake yeah. uh, was totally because I knew how he um, set people up to really knock knock him down. Right. Because like you know he was like laying foundation that you couldn't fall through. Yeah. Like there's just no one could fall through that foundation. Um, not to say that we're anything but whatever in the movie say anything you want about the movie the experience was like so I never felt like I was slipping through anything I, I loved it so much and by, by the way apropos of nothing except that I'm a, I, I, I want to, I feel like the rest of the world needs to know because uh, I've gotten to know Nick over the years too mm. he's such an awesome guy and so funny so and nice. like needs he's the driest weirdest sense of humor and yeah. I love that man and I know, I know. he came up by for the podcast recently and it was like 45 <laughs> minutes of like absurdity yeah and uh, he's, he needs I to be utilized in that way I feel like I mean, he's a great actor in many respects, but I feel like he's he's too good looking for his own good or something. They're casting that him as like, the leading yeah, guy. That happens, yeah. That totally happens. Um, I know, you know, he just played J.D. Salinger. Uh, yeah, and I so, heard they showed some footage of Toronto that went over really well, actually. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. They made it for nothing. Like, it was like a really running gun. He, like, worked really, really, really hard on it and uh, really, really, really fast. You know yeah. what I mean? So I'm, I'm curious. I love when good things happen fast. Totally. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that yeah, to yeah. me is, yeah, I, I really want to see that. So did, um, and just thinking about, like, the recent work, like, um, you know, between something like Certain Women and then I'm, I saw you, I don't think I've seen you since the Woody Allen film, which I really liked and I really like your performance in. And oh, it was, but that's, like, a very, like, verbal character, as most of his characters are. I mean, mm -hmm. do you have, like, in a way, do you have a preference between... Because I've seen like a bunch of your stuff in quick succession. I saw Personal Shopper as well, which is a lot of just like behavior. It's like mm. kind of following following you around, mm. and that is and and certain women is a little bit more in that vein too. It's mm -hmm. a pretty taciturn. Everybody in her world is pretty much. Yeah. Um, would you rather have like more dialogue? Do you do, do you ever ask to pare down dialogue? Do mm. you do you know what I mean? Do you like? Would you rather kind of like see chunky like speeches for you or would you rather spend a day just sort of like walking around an apartment right <laughs> literally <laughs> on is... an entire day walking around an apartment <laughs> right. or a house just walking <laughs> around right but hey um no no it's so true though when i did personal shopper i was like um i mean first of all that movie like and i'll totally answer your question one second but like that movie almost killed me in the best way like i know i always say like i want to get to the most extreme feelings right. when you feel like the most alive but that really was like kind of the harsh harshest example of that save for a few moments where i was like dude are we making a movie about me walking around <laughs> no no honestly because like i'd start to lose it like i like because the movie is so fucking hard to grasp yes. especially considering like especially the person playing her do you know what i mean like the whole thing is that i'm supposed to be like what the fuck's going on <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, like, sometimes I genuinely was like, I'm either driving around or I'm scooting around right. or walking around or running around. Like, literally the entire time. Yeah. Um, testing yeah. out different modes of transport. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, and, or, yeah, training around. Okay, so, like, um, I, I really like both. I don't know. I think um, I haven't been given as much opportunity to have a whole lot of dialogue compared to not. And, uh, like, in it's certain women and... Um, and uh, 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 Cafe Society were both like, I was the one talking a lot right. instead of listening. And uh, it's fun. It's such a different, it's so like, um, I, okay, uh, I'm, I, you know, I had two really different experiences. Woody was like, and you would think they were, you wouldn't, if, if I were to guess, I would think it was totally opposite. 
Woody allows you to say anything you want. You say his words once, he comes and he says, I'm falling asleep, just start talking. And you're like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and his stuff is so particular, you know, like the vocab, everything about it, the rhythm and like, it all, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just don't know how he get. I, I don't know how it's so particular, not that it's the same, but it's so particular every time because he doesn't force, like it's so not forced. Right. I guess that's the point. It's like, there's this casual nature to it. Like once you've said it and he likes two or th two takes, if that, he's like, okay, you're done, let's go. That's yeah. why you don't shoot for long. It's like, everything kind of feels like, whoop. Like, yeah. you've just gotten it out. And I feel like that has a lot to do with why his movies are so natural. And, like, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so... Um, and then Kelly wants you to say her words pretty much exactly the way they are in the script. Because mm -hmm. she's a much more surgical. She's just so much more precise. And um, would, would you surprised in, by that. In that vein, would you want to go back to, like... You obviously had an experience with Fincher really early on. Would you be yeah. curious to, like, at this point in your career, kind of try that again? Yeah. Honestly, like, I have no problem doing, like things a million times yeah. I'm a very obsessive person <laughs> really? yeah huh. yeah um yeah and oddly um which is uh cool I although it's weird the thing is is sometimes like it depends on what it is I guess I would like to do it because it would push me in a way that was like because once I do I feel like once I really have like a lovely experience doing something where I feel like oh god that was just that was like I can't I could never do that again yeah. like because it was I didn't have any control over it um, I have these like walls that I've probably built up that are stupid and crutchy that I'm like, no, no, no. Once you do it, it's fucking lightning in a bottle. You can't do it again. I could never do it again. It's like, shut up. Right. Shut up. Do there, it. There's no rule book. It's like, you don't have to do it again. You can right. just do anything. Just keep going. Right. You know what I mean? Just who knows what's going to happen. So just keep going. I think that's why people like Kubrick have always like been like classically like, like actors like, oh, it's crazy. The way he takes, it's like, it, it's, but it's, it's a method. It's like yeah. military method. I'm going to break you down. And exactly. then, so yeah. So in terms of, it's curious because like, I'm not going to change my tactic in the way I've talked to you over the years, but we've never talked like about personal life stuff. I'm not going to start now, so don't worry. But, like, uh. but I'm just curious, like, it seems like you've been more like open in talking about personal yeah. relationships and stuff lately. Is that, did that kind of come out organically or was that something like that you and team Stewart sat down and talked about I'm guessing oh, God, not because no, that's not you in no, my experience. No, that definitely but, like, never happened. But I'm just curious like where that, that came from. That conversation, I'd probably end up like not to say, not to reveal any strange, not to insinuate anything that isn't, because yeah. that would be weird. But I literally, at the end of a conversation like that, might not have a team anymore. Like right. Everyone out. Um, yeah, but uh, I totally um, just sort of, um, I've always said the same thing, like when asked about like, you know, uh, even when I was like kind of becoming just more comfortable doing interviews in general, not even regarding my personal life, people be like, you seem so much more casual now. Like you're really getting like so much more comfortable. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, you know, it's kind of important to like let you guys in a little bit because I want to be a part of something. Yeah. I don't want to exclude myself or alienate myself because that was what, because in doing so, like it's only a reaction to feeling alienated and then you just do it more. And that's, you know, I put these walls up and then you can't see over. I always sure. was like, I just don't want to do that. And so um, I just feel like super... Uh, entitled which is into like um uh like life like in a way that's like um i, I think it's really important i think it's really important like right now to sort of like help each other not feel bad about themselves yes, about ourselves not be defensive about kinds of relationships or anything yeah or exactly like it's like whoa let's like take it easy and like represent something really positive yeah, you know what i mean yeah. and like um i've had it so easy and so like i just feel like there's only it would be weird I, it would be so weird to be like oh 
I might not be getting like the same role. I'm gonna protect myself. I'm, I might not. I'm selfishly. I'm gonna protect myself because who the fuck knows? Like, if I want to do a Marvel movie, and um, you know, America, all of America is not cool with like the gay thing. Than like, or the fact that I'm like dating a girl, yeah. or that I've dated a girl. Like, who's, who's to say? I, things are gonna change so quickly. Honestly, right now it's like this weird little like transitional period. Totally. And, yeah. It feels like if we're talking in like five years, it's we're gonna look back at this. this conversation like, what is gonna the sound fuck? archaic. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like, why are they dancing around this? Like, just like, what the fuck is the big deal? Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically, like, I um totally would have never talked about anything because I hate the idea of becoming a part of like media like contributing to like people's um, gain you know whether it's like fucking financial or anything you don't deserve these people like who like run this like weird media thing I just hate it and and you were at the horrible end of the spectrum where like you made millions for for disgusting people horrible people for the worst people (laughs) man and like so yeah I just didn't want to be a part of that but then I noticed that like it would be totally something different if I was like still trying to hide my personal life because it would say that I was ashamed which I'm not sure and uh, yeah man like nobody knows anything everyone needs to stop labeling shit everyone needs to stop labeling shit everything changes nothing stays the same so how could you put a fucking I would never put a label on myself ever totally like yeah so um, except a disgusting French fry eater that can't control yeah. her, her, herself. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Marvel. Mm. Have you ever met with Marvel? Have you ever like talked to them about something? There was like rumor year, years ago of like Lois Lane for the DC, like the Superman stuff. Was that mm. any truth to that? Is that anything that's ever been? I have no idea. I think they've probably like heard. I think they've probably like considered. I've probably been on lists. Oh, you're on lists. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've known that I've been on lists. Yes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That, literally, that I, that is as far as it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Are there certain kind of like universes that you can't imagine yourself in? Like, I like I, I just myself won't buy myself in a Star Wars movie, for instance. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, totally. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of hard to. I guess I don't know. You have to get into I'm the specifics. Sure. Like, it's like yeah, I don't right. know. I don't know. I don't have one like popping, and I'm uh, yeah, yeah. If I had an answer, I would definitely answer. It. But um, oh, and just to say about the Marvel, I would not. I'm definitely not implying that the only reason. That- <laughs> Let me just make okay. that really clear. <laughs> I, that was just a random. I just thought of the most sort of popular yes. commercial. Marvel thing. only wants straight white people. No, I wasn't <laughs> no, saying that no, at all. Don't worry. Like at all. In fact, I probably just haven't gotten one because I'm not cool. Like that's yeah. So that's yeah. Um. So okay. So after you're through this publicity gauntlet, you're so you're in the edit room on the on like the short. Basically, you're mm-hmm. kind of like figuring it out. Um. I totally locked picture. I'm, I'm done editing. I'm okay. gonna. Um. I got a. a absolutely incredible editor um I, I i really i really swung for the fences on a few positions and then i stayed really young and hungry and ambitious and really yeah. innovative on others and nice. um i got lars von Trier's editor jacob wow. uh, uh his name's really hard to pronounce too Scholzinger. Like, <laughs> like he says it different too um, he's from copenhagen he is honestly like it feels like when you're ma- when I was making this thing, like I was carrying like eight thousand pounds, and then with every person that like hopped on, they were like, "Dude, give me some of that," and I was right. like, "Oh my god, thank you." He must have taken like honestly, yeah, he took so many thousands of those pounds. Honestly, like he's he's brilliant. He's such an artist. It's a language. He like knows this language that I will never know. You know right, what I mean? Right, it's right. like this. He's fluent in it. He's so cool. Are, are these? Uh, and I'll let you go in a second, but just like, uh, are these the kind of conversations that you have with like? friends and family like do you most enjoy talking film and like geeking out and that stuff or most of the people in your life 
do they speak that language or do you need kind of like some people that don't give a shit about any movies and mm. just are, want to talk about other stuff I have both yeah and sometimes I totally make the mistake of like talking at someone for ages about something they do not care about at all and I'm like <laughs> oh my god I'm so self-absorbed right now Jesus Christ I'm so sorry I've been talking about my short for an hour I right. just was at work all day and they're like it's all good <laughs> <laughs> um, but then like I have friends that are literally like we need each other yeah so we can be like hey 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 like we need to yeah I have I have a few of those are you uh, at all absorbing I'm like I have a love hate thing with, with the political <laughs> um, season we're in right now I'm watching everything and I'm also hating the world we're living in um, what, where are you at in terms of just absorbing all of this are you engaged do you feel or do you totally. feel totally like yeah. I feel this I feel the same way right yeah I mean it's um, I hate to say this i not saying this just to be funny or whatever but um it's terrible. This is like the darkest joke ever. If it's funny, no one's going to think this is funny. <laughs> oh my God. You can uh, self-censor. Yeah, but it's just, um, unfortunately, it's the most engaging thing. It, it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's so much easier. I feel sort of bad about myself because I'm like, oh, I'm really into it this year. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I don't feel bad about that at all. I think everyone should feel great about that. And I don't know too many people that aren't that way right now. People that have never been interested in it ever. It's true. Um, which is which is fucking rad. Um, and But I feel that way too because it's not that I wasn't interested. I've just sort of been not as totally... Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absorbed, and so now it's it's so absorbing. I'm like, oh god, like it's like really great TV. It's really great. It you is. know what I mean? The, so yeah, the first presidential debate was like riveting. Oh my god, it's, honestly, <laughs> some of those interesting, you, like the, the character study, the entire everything that goes into it. You're just like, oh, I, I, it's um, yeah, it's riveting. And then yeah. you realize, wait, there's a, a 41 percent is, chance that <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. Let's not end on that sad note. What's a brighter note? What's making you happy now? Oh, um. That little pooch over there is really cute. <laughs> oh my god, he's been sitting there the I've whole been so time. Walked in with you. I didn't see that adorable dog. So cute. He's very um, he's gosh, docile. Just very like, well. Very docile and like super um, statuesque. He man. could be like, in a uh, Kelly Reichardt film, mess. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess with him though. Um, it's good to see you, buddy. Thank you for making the time. Of course. And yeah, we'll talk soon on a on Personal Shopper, which we teased a little bit, but it's a, another great piece of work, and I think hopefully you and Olivier are going to continue working for a while to come. Yeah, I hope so. God, I can't wait for him to, like, who knows if this will happen, but I would, yeah. I cannot wait for the idea of him being like, so I wrote another script, I'm going to send it to you. And right. I'm like, oh my God! <laughs> He's just going to keep, like, scripting uh, yeah. roles for you in the periphery of celebrity. You're going to yeah, play every weird. different person around celebrity. I wonder, honestly, that would be fucking cool. I really wonder. It's kind like, of an interesting be, I know. <laughs> oh, might be, yeah, honestly. All right. Okay, Watch cool. this space. Stay tuned. Uh, thanks, Kristen. Bye, guys. Kristen Stewart, make sure to check out her new film, Certain Women, in limited release and on demand, and uh, support Kristen Stewart, guys. She's Always. one of the best out there. Always. A lot of film critics lately have been saying, like with her recent films, like the best actress of her generation. So it's been really kind of cool to see her. You know, she's had her ups and downs with the, with the press and all that kind of stuff, but like she's she's in a great place and is really being celebrated for the uh, the quality actress that she is and the great choices that she's made. So moving on, this next conversation, I'm so excited to bring you. Um, this is one of my favorites. This is Luke Besson, who is the filmmaker, of course, uh, behind The Professional and The Fifth Element and La Femme Nikita uh, and so many other films. And, and, and his new film, he's actually returning to science fiction with a film called Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, this is a film that I've probably talked about on the podcast before because um, – 
I've, I've, I was privileged enough to visit the set. We did a big set visit in Paris, uh, met up with Cara Delevingne and Dane DeHaan, who are starring in this one. We did a lot of stuff around the movie awards for this. We've been really following this one. This is one a big throughout. one. And, and then I, I got a chance to moderate the panel at Comic-Con in mm-hmm. San Diego, which was such a treat because um, they debuted footage for the first time and the crowd literally gave, literally gave it a standing ovation. So there's a lot of buzz building about this one. The, tr- the first trailer hits uh, in early November, so keep an eye out for that. Rihanna? in it. Rihanna's in it. Ethan Hawke's in it. Oh Clive god. Owen's in it. Oh my god. There's a lot going on, man. I didn't know Clive Owen was in it. Yeah, yeah. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the deal breaker? That yeah. was the one that really sold the ticket? Clive? Really? Clive, yeah, okay. I don't know why. Well, good you to did. know. Okay. Um, so this conversation is a true uh, uh, film geek's dream. We talk about all his influences growing up um, and uh, you know what role comic books uh, played in his life in that um, this is actually based on a comic um, and uh, a bunch about some of my favorite films of his and why some of them haven't had sequels. People have been clamoring for sequels to um, you know, The Professional over the years, why that hasn't happened. Um, so there's a lot to chew on in this conversation with a, a true uh, master of the craft. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with uh, Luke Masson. He was here in town for the New York film, uh, New York um, Comic-Con, rather. Uh, so taped a couple weeks ago, but still uh, super relevant for um, for any fans of film out there. So hope you guys enjoy this one. Here goes Luke. What was that, Luke? That for, uh, for the uninitiated. Yeah. Your father. <laughs> that is Darth Vader, a.k.a. Uh, the great filmmaker that is Mr. Luke Masson. And I'm your mother. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, he's a little punch drunk, which is great for me. I'm really excited that you're in a good mood. It's good to see you, sir. I'm always in a good mood. I, I, but I've uh, seen you in Paris a couple of months. You have the same shirt. Did you change since then? <laughs> no, here's the secret. <laughs> I have like 40 different plaid shirts. Uh, this is my this is my quote-unquote look. Ooh. We don't all have like Jean-Paul Gaultier like outfitting our films and stuff like that, man. You always have this kind of, of shirt. Anyway, Jean-Paul. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. <laughs> it's right off the uh, collection, the 2016 collection. Um, yes, you mentioned Paris. We've talked – I've had the privilege of seeing you in, in Paris and San Diego for Comic-Con. This might be the least glamorous of places we're talking, but I'm, I'm thrilled you're here in our podcast studio in New York. You're really welcome. Very happy to be here. Um, so tell me how you're doing. I mean, this is a long in, in the making project. Uh, we've been talking about this a while and we have uh, not quite a year, but a, a bunch of months still to go before Valerian hits the big screen. Um, is this a stage in the process where you're content, happy, pulling your hair out? How are you feeling? No, it's the difficult part because, you know, on the set, we were like 600 people and it's like a family and then we shouting and we crying and and then, then later you're in a 12 meter square room with your editor, and that's it. Yeah. Where was the, all the fun joking with Caro? What happened? Remember that? So it's kind <laughs> of like a it's a different you know part of the job and talking with you know all these guys from special effect. They are like super good, but they're all nerds. <laughs> you know, they I don't understand what they say right because they talk like this. Well, we should we should do that. We should do this like this. So you say, what, what, what? <laughs> but at least they do an amazing, amazing job. So uh, as you know, we have 2,700 shots of special effect. And I, st- I have 200 already. 
It's wonderful. <laughs> so drop it. Just, you're practically there. You're almost ready. Oh, Just throw it up on the we screen. Still have five months to go. But I would th- I would imagine that is a challenge for someone like yourself that um, you know you're clearly a director to use the cliche, but it's true that has a vision that has a very specific vision for you know how you want your film to look from the smallest detail to the biggest stuff, and you can't just like you don't want to just leave it to five hundred animators to do their stuff. You want to have your vision translated. You want them to translate what's in your brain onto the big screen. When we start to work with Weta and ILM, both of them, uh, I give a couple of, of indication, but I want the brain of these people because yeah. they're, they're artists. They're very good. So the result is really the mix of, of my imagination and their imaginations. And that's why they work so much on the film because usually on the, let's say, the Avengers or, sure. you know, like big Marvel film, it's much more... You know, they direct them and they say, okay, I need this on Friday. I right. need this on Monday. But you're on giving Monday. some freedom to them, yeah. I let them much more freedom. And I think that's why they're so excited. And the 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 job they they go so far is just like the best I've seen, you know, from since Avatar. Amazing. It's just amazing. Well, I mean, when we were in San Diego and uh, I hadn't seen that footage, I'd seen like an early cut. You were you guys showed me sort of what you were working on because you were working on that reel for Comic-Con. It was a, it's an important moment to be in San yeah. Diego and show that first footage. Uh, and it was a great moment. It really was. I, I've moderated a few panels in San Diego over the years. Um, but to see them re- respond like that and to do a spontaneous standing ovation um, for material that, frankly, most in the audience – aren't familiar with in the states we're not really necessarily that familiar with this material um was it a huge relief at the time it was a huge huge relief because we were a little scared no one have seen the footages we finished the day before yeah and we were very uh, honest and humble we come we say hey guys it's not finished here's what we have and the reaction was just was insane i mean it gives me a strength for the next 12 months yeah just to have the this uh heat i mean they just you know like just to see everybody standing and like clapping and it was just like um yeah i mean kara was in, in tears and i was in tears and how many, how many years will it have been from beginning to end from starting this process to next july when you release it what's the how long? We, we bought the rides 10 years ago right and then i i worked for it two years then then Avatar came out, and then I throw my script in the garbage because that was bad <laughs> compared to Avatar. <laughs> and then I work again, <laughs> and uh, and so since since Avatar, we're working on it. We prep for a year. We shoot for almost six months. Then right. we have a year and a half of post production. So it's it's a work of an ant you know right. every day we're working just a little bit the funny thing is twice a week i see the upgrade you know of of the vfx so every 3 days it's just a little better you know <laughs> and that's that's the fun of it because you say oh my god yeah yeah this one is way much better sure but a week later you say oh my god this is even better than <laughs> So well, we, you keep need going, that because, we keep going like this, in fact. Because I can't imagine, I mean, when you're working on something for years at a time, frankly, the amount of concentration that that demands from you and your entire team, um, 
And look, we all go through our ups and downs in terms of like, you know, I know when I work on my own stuff that for a week or two, I get frustrated with something. I've, oh, I've seen this too much. I'm not, I'm not happy with it anymore. You probably need those kind of moments, whether it's a Comic-Con or seeing an upgrade in special effects or something to kind of give you these constant kind of boosts because it, it, it probably can be tough to maintain. You know, the, for me, the closest that I can compare is the guy who take the boat and go around the world for a race. Right. And... You can't say, oh, I'm going to go to the pub for a day or two. You know, like you're on the sea yep. all day long for six months. You can't stop. And once in a while, you have a phone call from the family. And when I go to Comic-Con New York or San Diego, it's like I have the family on the phone. <laughs> oh, my God, how are you? <laughs> so happy to see you. Right. And it, it's You're basically popping that. your head out of the edit room to see the world at large. Oh, hey, everybody. Yeah, so every month we, have a, we meet, you know, the, uh, the fans and the moviegoers. So today and tomorrow it's, it's still Comic-Con, so we're, we're in. And on the 10th of November, so in a month, it will be the first teaser. <laughs> so that's going to be another important, sure. you know, so we're working on it now. And then. Are you the kind of filmmaker that um, you talk about James Cameron and, and we talked about that, how kind of like you guys raising each other's bar, which is great. I think that's kind of the best way like a, a fraternity of, of filmmakers can work. Um, but are you the kind of filmmaker that would ever show footage or a script or something to another filmmaker or do you have enough kind of like do you ever need those outside perspectives on something have you ever gone to somebody with it's a not film? a question of perspective what i what i learn and i think they teach me that the first few time i met spielberg for example or or james cameron they were so sweet with me I, i've seen jim cameron before valerian like a year before he gave me advice give me a couple of names He'd give me the, the, the trap, you know, be careful when you do this and this. Steven Spielberg, the same. The guy is generous. He'd show you the stuff. And I was raised with these guys because they were so, same for Lucas, same. You know, these guys are amazing. And they show you the, the, the way. And so I try to be exactly the same with all my friends, directors. So every time I invite a lot of directors on, on the set of Valerian and yeah. they come and, you know, they're happy to watch and Sean Penn came on the set and <laughs> lots of guys are coming and uh, no, you, the more you share, the more you, you know, you, you, you have feedback from them and, right. and, and it's important. So don't, don't hide or don't hold, just share. Well, and, and that spirit you're talking about was something that really, frankly, struck me on the set when I got to visit um, this amazing facility outside or, or right or in Paris or right outside Paris, I guess. Um, because there's a real spirit of apprenticeship, I know, that goes throughout all of your films. You've groomed some 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 great filmmakers that you now produce their films or they've gone off and do done their own things. And I know even um, – on the film itself, you had people. Well, well t talk to me a little bit about like what are you trying to foster in terms of like what's the environment you want on a set? What's the rationale behind kind of bringing people up and empowering them? You, you need for this kind of film, you need a constant energy on the set. So you have to open everything. The students, we have basically 30, 40 students from the school who were there permanently on the set and they change every week. You, it was pretty open to directors, friends, actors. They always welcome. Yeah. And it was pretty open. And I was not like this at the beginning. When, when I started filming the first few films, 
I don't want to see anyone, even my mother, <laughs> you know. But 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 I change, and you know what's interesting is when I start, I try to go to the French cinema school, and I have this interview, and after three minutes, the guys say, "Okay, goodbye. You have nothing to do here," and they fire me after three minutes, and that's that's what that's my reference. I say, "Oh my God, I, I can't fit," you know, in this thing. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, I went to Australia for promoting, and they invite me to in a university. And then I realized that the university was next to sound stages, right. studios, TV, cinema. And then there's a big interconnection between the one who learned and the one who did the job. And that's why I really try to do at La Cité du Cinéma in Paris. So there's nine sound stages. There's three, four schools in it. Makeup school, acting school, directing, writing, technicians. And and it's very alive. And if you go there, you will see a bunch of kids shooting a, a short film. And they scream at you, you are in my, my field, get out of here. <laughs> so, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. You know, it, they they shooting all the time, and I and I love that. It gives me a. I try to give them the tools, and I take their energy yeah. and their youth because, honestly, just to see there, they don't give a shit about me when they see me. Say yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> They're making their own art. They yeah, yeah, they, they totally you know focus <laughs> in their own thing. And I love that. It makes me laugh, you know? It's great. And it must be a great source of satisfaction when you see people like Guterrier, et cetera, et cetera, that have created their own amazing careers. And Yeah, but in the same time, my only uh, talent was probably to see that they have talent. Mm. That's all. But, you know, I didn't invent the talent of these people. They have talent. Sure. But you can help give them the tools and gave them the opportunity, which is yeah, but, uh, part of the battle. You know, it's because... I don't know. I see it. I yeah. see they're good. And, and you know, when I start my my first few films, they people doesn't want to give me any money. And I don't know. I, when I see someone good, I try to help a little bit. Some people, you just give some material, some lights, a camera or travelings, right. you know, nothing big. Yeah. And they, they, they don't need more. They just need a little help. And that's it. So just trust them. Sometimes you're wrong. You know, the guy was just a, a good talker. Right. <laughs> Give me back my lights now, please, yeah. because you, you don't know how to use them. But most of the time, they, you know, like the school, for example, last year, we have 27 uh, awards for short film in the school. Wow. And there's 30 students. So almost everyone gets Everybody a gets an award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, and th- th- that I'm proud of them. Yeah. Really proud of them. So, and, and speaking of Valerian specifically. By, by the way, yeah. just, just for notice, the school, you don't need a diploma, and the school is free. So we get people from everywhere in France, you know, like the worst neighborhood, but they're just talented. That's all we ask. I mean, that's that, that that's wonderful to hear because we well, this is such a, a topic, obviously, throughout the film community nowadays in terms of democratizing the, the, the kinds of opportunities that we need to, to give to people so that we see our society reflected on the big screen so it's not the same, you know, 5% people that the are, roots, are doing it. The roots of talent are in the street, not in the school. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about – okay, so, so this film in particular. So you have um, – you have uh, Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne. You have a you know a a a, a pretty sizable budget, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, 
I mean, are you essentially self-financing this? I mean, you have Europa. This is your company. You, are you, it seems like you have autonomy. Like, it's, this is a great situation to be in where, like, you don't really have to necessarily report to other people on big decisions. I mean, do you feel like that is the optimal kind of situation for you to create art and that's a necessary kind of situation for you? No, I think it's um, it's not so much about the control. It's you share anyway. All the time. You share with the actors, technicians, financing people. What's important is at the end, you can take the decision and then you will try to take the best decision for the film. Sure. Sometime a studio can take a decision against the film or against you because they have other interests that you don't even imagine. Right. And that's what I want to avoid. I, don't, I want to avoid and say, no, no, no. Um, you have to take a, a, a girl with a miniskirt on this part because, you know, it's better. Right. It's better for Asia. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Market research tells us. Yeah. Like that's the, the death of art and death of creativity. And, you know, or they say, okay, p- p- put a, a, a black guy in this part, but you cannot put a black guy in this part. Sure. So, what are you talking? I mean, why about we take the best actor for the part? Yeah. That's it. I don't care about his color or... Just, just let, let's test the, the guys and let's take the best one. So it's to avoid this kind of situation that I try to organize myself. So at the end, no one can tell me do this or that. But believe me, I'm listening a lot. I'm, I'm not like taking any decision like this. I consult a lot the people who works with me. I share a lot. You, you cannot, you cannot play soccer by yourself. You, right. you eleven people. You have to. Pass the ball, and you know you you can't work by yourself. It's impossible. Sure. Well, the, the the fear on the other hand, right, is yeah. The other and it's like what what M will do without without T and V. <laughs> right, know? right, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we need each other. Music, television. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like you know, uh, and uh, you know, someone like, for instance, George Lucas when he was making the prequels got a lot of flack. It felt like a lot of people felt like he's kind of insulated himself so much that. Maybe this is true to him in a way, but sometimes it's good to have perspective and to bring in other artists. I am sure that in the middle of the heart of the thing, he's not alone. Maybe it's people we don't know. Sure. We don't know exactly with who we share, but I'm sure I know him a little bit. And he's, he's not the type of guy of like, this is what I want and that's yeah. it. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's a hardcore of people that he trusts and then he share. And And for example, I've read a lot of story. I mean, Spielberg, for example, I'm sure if Stephen come and say, you know, George, I think here it's right. too long and thing, he's he's gonna, t- you know, he's gonna hear it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, of course, it's maybe not simple people. Maybe it's just like Spielberg and Coppola. Right. <laughs> not and a bad <laughs> little few people to, you he's, know, you know, he's real friends. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, everyone is no. You can't do it by yourself. It's impossible. So you, have to, you have to be open. You you refer to the situation you're trying to avoid in terms of kind of like those horrible conversations with studios, etc. Of like, you know putting this kind of person in this kind of role for whatever reason. Have you have you ever felt like you were in that position? Like was there is there a situation that you look back on and say I need to avoid what I went through on that film? It happens to me on Subway. Subway was my second film. I was like 23 years old. And yeah, they try at this time they want to change the title, they propose another cast. And I was 23 years old and the cast was for 65. You know, it was like old. <laughs> And they propose actors that I don't even know. They were too old for me. Right. I was a baby. I was 23. I wanted to take Christophe Lambert or Adjani or, you know, I sure. wanted to take young people. Yeah. 
And so I almost, almost, the film almost collapsed because of that. But I, I resist and I say no. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you didn't necessarily grow up like a cinephile. You weren't like consuming a ton of movies growing up. You clearly were reading comics as evidenced by something like Valerian and Fifth Element. Like these have influences and direct influences, et cetera. And, until, until nine years old, I was uh, on Greece, in Greece on an island with mm-hmm. no shoes until nine years old. So then after that, I went in town. My first TV at home, I was 15. The first theater is at 12 kilometers from where I live. So I go once a week. So, no, I'm really fresh of everything. And I became a little cinephile. I'm not like a big one. But uh, when I did my first film, I have my first article in a newspaper. And the guy talked about three references that, you know, I was inspired by. Mm -hmm. And then none of the three films I've seen. So I went to the video club and I ran the films. That who inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these, oh, these are the ones. And I watched the film. They were great, by the way. But I don't see any link with my film at all. I, so I, I didn't were know. Were they kind of obscure things or were they mainstream kind of things? Do you remember? What? No, no. One was Tarkovsky. Sure. And I don't remember the two others. But no, they were great films. But I can't do the link between the article and my film at all. Yeah. I didn't understand it. So. So and then did. So how did you, how and when did you, I mean, were you falling in love with the medium as you started to make <laughs> product? It's kind of an interesting, strange I, I confluence. Went, I went on the set one day because I want to, I was writing, doing pictures since I'm 13 years old and I was writing stories, stories all the time. And I said, yeah, maybe I should go on the set just to see how it looks like. Maybe it's interesting. And I went on the set of a short film. And I literally fall in love instantaneously with the set. I was like, I want to belong here. And that was a Friday. I stay over there on the Saturday, went back home on Sunday and tell my mom, I know what I'm going to do. I was 17. <laughs> I'm going to make movies and I'm leaving tomorrow. Said no, tomorrow you go to school, and then we will see later. Said no, tomorrow I'm going to Paris, and I'm gonna make films. So I I prepped my my suitcase on the Monday morning at seven a.m. and then I left. Did you did you find that? How did you find your first opportunities then? Like, how, where did you even get the equipment oh, it took, and the? It took like five months. It was like I knew no one at all, no one. So I went to the studios or lab, or people who rent the cameras. I was, you know, like jumping around the, wo- the wall, trying to get in. And, and, you know, I was pushing, pushing, pushing. And after five months, I find a job, not paid, as a third assistant. Because I was pretty um, big, mm-hmm. you know, so I can take cases, you know, like very <laughs> easily. And so I was just, I was a Fenwick, you know, basically. <laughs> they took me as a Fenwick. <laughs> And it's all, it's so funny because it's like all based on like just like blind instinct. Like you get on a film set and there's some kind of energy there where you're like, this feels right to me. It's not really based on anything other than a gut feeling, it seems no, like. No, I just want to be there. And no, but what I, what I understand very early is like whatever you do on the set, you just have to do it the best you can. So for a couple of weeks, I was doing sandwiches. <laughs> I was the best guy for sandwiches, believe me. 
I knew the test of every technician, the grip, the electrician, the cameraman, and I do the best sandwiches for all of them. <laughs> These guys love me. <laughs> That's the key to success yeah, in life. They, Whatever they, you're doing, just be the best at it. The next film, they give you a name. They say, oh, there's this kid. What's his name? Uh, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, man, the guy is good. He's, <laughs> the sandwich is, is great. The Xerox is wonderful. <laughs> And the guy is just like a camel. He can bring cases like forever. <laughs> so, and what was what was the first film that got the attention of whether it was critics just a, you know in France or, or or here in the states? Was Big Blue? Was it Subway? Like what really kind of felt like a big transition for you at looking back, where there was new opportunity and and you saw a a clear path. You know, if if you talk about mathematic there's more difference between zero and one than between one and one thousand sure so it's just the, getting that first one on yeah the, screen, the yeah. big big gap was between zero and the last combat my first film yeah. i was 19 and that was the big big jump that's for sure yeah and and there's a jump at every film after that i mean subway was in color with stars at the time and the Big Blue was just insane to shoot. We spent 24 weeks underwater, 21 weeks on land. <laughs> we went to 17 countries. There's no special effect at the time. Yeah. So the film took forever. And it was the biggest hit in the history in France at the time. So, And the film started very badly. The critics were like killing the film. So you have this experience also. <laughs> it's good to go through it all. You went through like 200 critics like killing the entire film, like on the garbage. And then the people take the film and the film stays 62 weeks on, on theaters. Wow. And that doesn't happen nowadays. Yeah. So. <laughs> did, did that get the attention of um, studio folks here in, in the States? Did you come out here to meet with studios or was it uh, yeah I, I started to come to LA after Subway so mm -hmm. I was like 23 24 and I was amazed to see how polite and they say oh my god you're amazing it's great let's do films together and I was not I was not prepped for that I mean in France they just hate you since day one right you know well you do shit do, 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 do. <laughs> So uh, here they kill you with kindness. The, to your face, they're they're wonderful. Yeah. So I didn't get it at the beginning. I thought they were joking. <laughs> so, but they they were constantly and no, I, I I have a great relationship with the studio. They were always always very nice with me and but I I just try to protect myself a little bit and I I love to work with them. Yeah. You know, I work with Universal or Fox. I love to work with them. I, I don't like so much to work for them. Right. But I love <laughs> I love to work with them. What was the collaboration? I can't remember which studio it was that put it out put out uh, Leon or the professional here in the States. Uh, what was that collaboration like? And were you upset that it became the professional here? It's known as Leon, I believe, outside of the States. No, I think you, it was Sony at the time. And when they say, look... Leon doesn't mean anything here. We have to call it the professional. So that was the only country in the world. I mean, it's Leon everywhere. But you, tr I mean, that's Sony. They're, these guys are big. And if they tell you that, you have to trust them. I mean, if they say, look, you know, trust us. It's, it's a mistake. We have to change the title. I say, okay, I trust you. Yeah. They that, were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like, I, I, as I remember, I mean, I was like a It's funny with the kid. time now yeah. in LA, in the uh, in U.S., 
he became Leon the professional. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So those in the know here, it's like it's like the way. Uh, what's the the P.T. Anderson movie? It's like Hard Eight, but it was called like Sydney. Like like you know those in the know call it Sydney. I call it Leon. <laughs> um, and I was obsessed with that film, and I still am. Um, uh, it was probably the first of yours that I saw, and then I probably went back and saw Nikita, etc. Um, and there's so much I'm a, I, I love about that film. I, I would be remiss to not ask you about Gary Oldman in that because um, there's so much. Uh, mesmerizing about that performance. Um, and I've heard different stories about this, but can you tell me a little bit about, for instance, there's the infamous scene of just screaming at the top of his lungs, of course, for everyone to yeah. bring in everyone. Where did that come from? How did that happen? Uh, that's, I think that's an idea of mine that we find on the set <laughs> mm -hmm. when we were shooting. And, uh, but there's so many things that he find out by himself. What was funny with him is we were doing rehearsal on, on the restaurant. We were at dinner and then we were playing the scenes together and he finds so many things on the restaurant. He basically stand in the restaurant and play the part, <laughs> you know, and he, he's a genius. He's he really, truly is. He's, he's a really, He can do anything. And I'm going to tell you a, a, a sweet story, but we were waiting for the camera. We were in the corridor of the hotel shooting Leon. There's dead body everywhere and bloods <laughs> everywhere. And then I don't know how the conversation start, but then we, we end up to Shakespeare. And he say, yeah, no, you know, before I was in London and, and I did a, a lot of play of Shakespeare. And, and I said, you know, what, what really amazed me is how can you remember the entire text of, you know, King Lear or Hamlet. Or, King sure, yeah. or Hamlet. I said, no, no, it's not so complicated. And I said, how long after the show you forgot the thing? Yeah. And he said, you never forget it. I said, oh, come on. <laughs> Hamlet, you, you play Hamlet? Yeah. So if I say, for example, scene number two, act three, and he start wow. in the corridor <laughs> with the, reverb, the reverb of the corridor, mm -hmm. and he start playing Hamlet in the corridor. And the entire crew was like, <laughs> that's a superpower. That's better than any superpower. And he was dressed as Stansfield. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was like in shock. Amazing. And that, that's, that's just tell you the level of the guy. Yeah. You know? Stansfield does Hamlet. I would watch that on Broadway or off Broadway any day of the week. Um, there, you've been asked for years about you know, talks of uh, doing anything more with the Matilda character. There was also talk that that turned into Columbiana. Uh, is that true? Did that idea turn into that film? Was there ever like a true script or treatment for a continuation of the the Leon story? No, we wish. I mean, Zoe is, is I love Zoe. She's super sweet, but she get trapped between Star Trek and and uh, Guardian of Galaxy. So right. we we never can find a, a spot now where <laughs> she can make the film because she's so busy now. But what about talking to N Natalie about her character? I, I was saying for uh, the professional. Do you ever consider the grown-up Matilda in terms of a, yeah, a story? Yeah, the, the thing is I I wish I could find the, – the, the thing with me is if I don't find the right ID, I can't make the film just for bad reason, you know, like for money or things. So I wish I could find a good story for Leon or Matilda. Yeah. So, you know, Natalie can play it when she's 18 or 19 or 20, but I never find a, a a, a good idea, yeah. good enough, worth it enough to to make a sequel of Leon. So sure, 
Uh, I find the ID, but way too much, way too too late. Now she's 35. Yep. She has kids. Right. That's a different idea. That's a different yeah, story. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, Matilda is interesting if when she's 18 or 20 years old. Sure. You know, because she was 11 in Lyon. So what happened to her at 18 or 19? Yeah, they, this I want to see, but, yeah. you know. And it, it must be uh, another film among many that I that I love so much is of course the fifth element and and that's one I know that goes back to childhood like many of your films actually do that seems like they connect to a lot of things in your childhood whether it's specifically Valerian and reading that or I mean subject matter in the big blue that connects to your parents etc I would think um, the the sense of satisfaction of like going back to something you started at what like 16 fifth element I believe yeah. right and to realize that on the big screen in the way that you did it must be kind of mind-blowing to kind of being be able to do that to realize that vision uh, of a teenager as an adult it's funny because I think my brain works like a redfish my memory is like five seconds <laughs> and <laughs> and I think I I don't live in the past at all I'm, I'm living in present and future yeah and I think I forgot little by little. And the the guy who made Fifth Element at 30 years old is is not 16 anymore. So, yeah, I still have the writing when I was 16 about the Fifth Element, but the story changed a lot. So the energy stays. Yeah. You know, I want to do it, but you're not the same anyway. You know, like, you know, 15 years later, you're not the same. You don't have the same experience. And by the way, when I started to write it, it was a book. It was not a film. Really? Yeah. I wrote 200 pages, throw them on the garbage because it was bad. <laughs> then I wrote 200 more. It was bad, so I threw it too. And then I wrote 400 pages. <laughs> and that was okay. So I keep that. But when I start the script, I forgot the 400 pages and start something else. So I knew that there's something I want to. What you have to understand is at the time, I'm, when I'm 16, I'm living in the countryside. And when I open my window, I have cows. Right. That's all I have. <laughs> Believe me, you're 16 years old. You want to escape. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you don't want to have the cows in the front of your house. Yeah. So that, that's where I start to imagine this world with flying cabs and... You know, and that's kind of what the film is about, about those those characters are kind of escaping into worlds they couldn't even have imagined in yeah. a way when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, do you go back and look? I mean, did you look at – have you looked at Fifth Element in recent years? Is it tough for you to look at your own work? Do you feel satisfaction or do you see the, the things that you would do differently? No, I have no – I don't know. I, I just watch them and happy. I'm happy. But it's like watching an old picture of yourself. Right. When you you were young and then you look at your pants and you say, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and your haircut. And you're like, whoa. I was weird at the time. So, well, that's what we loved. I think, I mean, speaking of like among my friends and here in the States, I think about something like Fifth Element was we didn't know what was off about it, but it was different. We knew it was different. It had a different sensibility. When, whether you want to like characterize that as a quote-unquote European sensibility or whatever, it, felt, it didn't feel like Star Wars. It didn't feel like Star Trek. It felt like someone that was a little off in a great way was making it. And I think yeah. that's what, why people are attracted to your work, frankly, is that it's uh, – No, totally. No totally one else could do, could do what you but do. But what's interesting is in France, they were – they were saying, "Oh yeah, he's not French anymore. He, you know, he betrayed his country. He's American." <laughs> and then, but when when I suddenly released the Fifth Element in U.S., I realized how European I was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and 
which is okay. It doesn't matter, but right. yeah, I can feel that I don't have the codes. You know, I I don't follow the the codes of of the films. I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm more like a painter. I do I, you know. And it's funny, like you take Modigliani, for example. The guy arrived and make girls with long neck and and black eyes. Mm-hmm. And the first critics were say, "That's not painting." And then a couple of years later, the guy is in Le Louvre, the museum, and and same for Picasso, same for almost all of them. Sure, and it must be a great satisfaction to see. I mean, well, t- well, tell me, what, what, where do you get satisfaction from in terms of the legacy of your films? Is it like seeing someone walk up to you with a tattoo of Lilu on their arm or seeing someone cosplay or, or see a critic reevaluate it? Is it all of the above? You know, you make, a, you make a present at the birthday 10 years ago and then you go back to see your friends and you realize that the present's still there. That's what makes you happy. Yeah. You know, and they're still talking a little bit about it and say, yeah, I was there and, you know, I have, I have the... I have the poster. I have, that's that's what uh, make me happy yeah. is to, after a couple of years, to realize that you know he's still in their memory and the same than me. I mean, I have a lot of memories from other films, other directors, and you know I've seen flew over the cuckoo's nest when I was sixteen, and I'm I'm still talking about it. Sure, you know because it was just part of my initiation in in life, not not in movies. Yeah, in life, suddenly on screen, the guy who are crazy are not so crazy, and the people who are supposed to be not crazy are crazy. <laughs> it tells you something about the society when you're 16 years old. Truly, you know? yeah. And then you scratch your head and say, "Oh my God! Oh, all right, okay. So things are not the way it looks." <laughs> and then you learn. You know, and I'm curious what you make of um, this bizarre landscape of filmmaking that we live in today, wherein, uh, I mean, I certainly couldn't have imagined it, you know, growing up that like genre films, superhero films, all of this, they are, they are it. That's, that's 90, it feels like 75, 90% of what's out there in the marketplace now. Um, is it too much of a good thing? Do you worry? Do you are you pleased? Is the inner, you know, childhood geek in you thrilled beyond belief? What's your take on sort of where we're at uh, in terms of just the proliferation of these kinds of uh, films? It, you know, I'm 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 older now, so it, it's not my generation. It looks like it makes the people happy, and these films are very successful, and that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, when you see the the technicality of the films, the special effect of all these films, Captain America and and all this film is just like amazing. So it's a good it's a good stuff, it's a good job. Then the content inside, yeah, if you're fifty years old you're less inspired right. than when you're twelve. But I think at twelve you look you know, it's just amazing. Yeah. And so I'm I'm I think it's great. But when I was twelve uh, there's only two channels on TV. There's no internet. There's nothing. And I just have this comic book every Wednesday, and that's it. And uh, the big guy at the time was, they were not Marvel in France or Europe. It was uh, Maizière, which Valerian, or Moebius. Sure. Moebius was just like an emperor. Uh, Druyer. You know, big guys like this, and they were the kings in in Europe, and I was raised more with them. And they, they were nuts. They were like, they go wild. I don't yeah. know what they were smoking, but <laughs> God, they were really wild. And and is that know. is that a reason like why? 
I mean, would do you have even the the faintest interest of even taking a meeting with the the Marvels and DCs of the universe, or is that almost too down the middle for your sensibilities? Have you ever talked to them about seriously about anything, or is it just not for no, you? No, I mean, they don't need anyone. I mean, the the guy who run the thing is a great guy. I, I, I never met him, but I know he Kevin was, Feige at, at Marvel, right? from yeah. Marvel right. at the beginning, so. He knows his family. He knows his kids. He knows the. He knows his characters, and he's protecting his family. And he's he doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm sure the guy is, you know, a real father for this uh, entire thing. So it's. I'm just uh, in admiration with that. Yeah. Um, and just be, and in speaking of just as a movie enthusiast. Can you cite any – I mean, I know you've been kind of locked away in an edit room. Have you seen anything that's inspired you lately, a filmmaker, an actor, performance, a franchise or whatever that, that's, that's inspiring lately, you? Lately, lately, uh, wow. Or not. I, the, the or, film of Xavier Dolan. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen um, his latest. Uh, yeah, it, that, that's very good, very deep. Um, yeah. It's very good. And he's like 27 years old or something. It's something very annoying. Yeah, he's old now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has been, he's he can't go to the university, the Cité University, right? He's not, he's too old for you. No, yeah, he's, no, he's, a, he's a great, he's a great, guy. but <laughs> his film is really, uh, is really, uh, really amazing. Yeah, um, and then returning to Valerian, so you is is this the kind of thing where you? I mean, I, I hesitate to even bring up like sequels, but I've already done it for other some of your other things. But is this the kind of thing that you could imagine returning to, or is that is that absurd to even think of? telling more stories in this universe at this please, point. Please, please make a success of Valerian because I want to do the second one. Do you really? Yeah. Do you know do you what know. story you want to tell in the second one already? Yeah. <laughs> I have it. I just have to be patient and humble because you can't start before to know if the first one works or not. So yeah. I'm just like eating my nails <laughs> and waiting. <laughs> But I have the second one. The second one is great. Guys, it's ready for us. Just go, go to see, see the it. first one so I can do the second one, please. <laughs> He's literally jumping up and down in his seat. <laughs> I want you to know. Uh, and something exciting to see what Kara and, and Dane did both on set and now see it in the edit room. I mean, I, I love both of those guys so much, both as professional actors and also off the set. They're just they're, – they're awesome people. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw out of them that excited you once you hired them after the fact. Like what's, what's going to be – It can't be better the entire process – couldn't be better. Yeah, I mean, Kara have, have a little less of experience, but she's so Dane, and she take the the track. You know, she goes on her back and follow the the track. Yeah, on term of like being responsible, taking the lessons, the stunt, the thing. You know, and she was like perfect, and and Dane is just probably for me the the best actor since Leonardo. He's really amazing, and I couldn't be more happy when I when I see the result of the two. You you falling in love after two seconds when the film starts, yeah, and and they're young, they're twenty five years old, and then you see this couple, and it's like, oh my god, you know, it's just fresh, and I can't wait to do the, the second one because now they know their characters very well, so we can push, right? You know, we can have even more freedom, you know, bit, uh, with the two, yeah, and. I mean, every time I got Kara on the phone, she's crying. <laughs> she's emotional. <laughs> she's very emotional. She's still like, oh, my God, I miss you. I want to be on the set. <laughs> Is there any actor that ever got away from you that you were de- desperate to work with? Someone that was high on your list? No, there's honestly, there's 
almost no one that I don't like because they, I mean, you take anyone, they're, you know, if you take all the big names, the big stars, they're all good. But for me, it's really uh, what kind of character, like De Niro, for example, which is, you know, a genius, and he made so many films with Scorsese that yeah. you, you can't even propose something to him. <laughs> you look like a nerd if you propose something to him. And then one day I have this film, you know, called Malavita, right. The Family, and that, that was good for him. And, and so I'm... You just have to wait for the yeah, right you, fit, the you right... Need, you, need, you, you, you can't just take an actor and... Shove you know, I love uh, Margot Robbie, for example. Would Amazing. love to do something with her, yeah. but uh, what... <laughs> what to do with her? I mean, you you know, well, it's a big universe of Valerian. I'm sure you can find something for her in the next one. No pressure. Okay, no pressure. Okay, we just did it. Um, Luke, uh, it's uh, it's truly uh, been a pleasure, and the, hopefully this, these conversations continue to uh, manifest because uh, teenage Josh Horowitz is thrilled that he's gotten to know uh, Luke Besson as an adult, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm such a fan of yours, and I'm so thrilled that um, you know people are digging the early stuff on Valerian. You saying we're going to see the public at large will be able to see a teaser pretty soon, right? A month, you said. It's on the 10th of November, I think. Okay, yeah. stay tuned, guys. Uh, it's, your brains are going to melt. And go out <laughs> and see uh, uh, Valerian when it hits theaters next July. Uh, Luke, it's always good to see you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Luke Bassan. You have to wait until next July, sadly, for Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. It will be worth the wait, guys. We'll be back next week with a fresh new episode. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. See you guys soon. This episode of Happy Sad Confused was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. Subscribe to Happy Sad Confused and other MTV shows on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The Jeep Wrangler 4xE. It's electrified. So you can boogie-woogie-woogie up a mountain, over creeks, or boogie-woogie-woogie through a desert where you get bit by a pit viper. So you boogie-woogie-woogie back to camp and ask your friends if they'll suck the snake venom out when they say no. You boogie-woogie-woogie to the nearest hospital for a dose of anti-venom and boogie-woogie-woogie your way to a full recovery. The electrified Jeep Wrangler 4xE. Learn more at Jeep.com. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC.